Jason know that he mostly grew up here in this in this church and probably preached some of his first sermons here at, at Newport, I think, um, as, a, as a teenager, uh, as one of the youth group, and then went off to, uh, to Bible College at, at Valley Forge and is now a, a uh, staff pastor at uh, Freedom Life Church um, in uh, sort of, well, so Christiana, but sort of, yeah, wherever, lots of campuses. So Jason, if you'd like to come, let's uh, make Jason and Rachel welcome this morning. We'd love to welcome them. I didn't say, but I think you caught it already this morning. Jason is the son of Steve and Brenda Ball, who have been, uh, who've been elders here and are our small group leaders. So we're so glad to have Jason uh, back with us this morning. Uh, I think I probably introduced and prayed for him uh, several times here, and, and it's just exciting to, to see what God is, is doing in, in their lives. And, and uh, yeah, so we're, we're glad to uh, have him back again as, a, as, our, as our guest preacher here this morning. So let's, let's pray for Jason this morning. Would you participate? Would you just extend your hands and, and let's pray a blessing. Lord, we thank you for this morning. We thank you for what you're doing. We thank you that you're at work. You're speaking to us this morning. Lord, I pray for open ears this morning in this church that we'd be uh, first opening our ears to hear what you had to say, and then second, Lord, that we'd be putting into practice exactly what you want us to do. Lord, let our hearts and our ears be open. Lord, would you protect the word of God as it goes out today, that we'd not be stolen from our hearts and lives, but it would accomplish every purpose. Lord, give Jason the strength and grace to be your vessel this morning in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Awesome. Thanks, Alan. Appreciate it. Am I good? Sound good? All right. Cool. Uh, Awesome. Well, yes, it is an honor to be back here at my home church. I am connection pastor at Freedom Life, but that has nothing to do with why I'm here today. It is uh, because this is my home church, and so I am home uh, where, like Alan said, I grew up. And uh, when when I started coming here, I was about 12 or 13, and uh, and soon after we started coming, I had the opportunity to go on a missions trip, and it was on that missions trip in Suriname, South America, in a prison, where I was able to share a uh, just a really brief, probably pretty awful uh, devotional that I gave there, and uh, and it was, it was in that moment that I felt like God spoke to me and said, get used to this. You're going to do this for the rest of your life. And thankfully, I had the understanding that he meant like preaching, not being in a prison. And so, uh, so I test the, or I passed the first test. Good to go. Uh, so it's, it's been a, a journey since then. Uh, you know, Alan's just done an incredible job at, you know, he, he helped so much me just be able to start in ministry. And I, I don't take that lightly. Uh, I just want to take a moment and honor you for that because you did an awesome job at just helping me grow. You know, when I was just a dumb little 13-year-old kid, now I'm just a dumb 26-year-old kid. Uh, but when I was 13, you know, giving me the opportunity to come up here and, and speak and to, and to share and go along at different meetings and that kind of stuff with you, uh, it was just, it was huge and me being able to take those first steps in ministry. So I just want to say thank you so much. Come on, can we give it up for your pastor? Give him a little honor today. As Alan said, my parents are Steve and Brenda. Don't hold that against me. Uh, (laughs) uh, 
Love you guys. Uh, I'm here with my beautiful wife, Rachel. Uh, and so if, uh, if you want to get to know anybody, get to know her because she is definitely better half. Uh, if you get to know her, you will know that I definitely married up. And so, um, so I'm going to take a moment here this morning, the rest of our time here, and, and I want to focus on, uh, on this one idea of what to do on a no good, very bad, awful day. And, uh, and I'm pretty sure I just jacked up the title to that book. But if you, uh, if you were a kid or had a kid, or I'm pretty sure we all fit into one of those two categories, um, we probably read that book, uh, the, the Horrible, Terrible, Awful, No Good, Very Bad Day, something like that. And, um, and so my bad day was uh, about two weeks ago. It was a morning like this morning where you don't want to get out of bed, and it is way too cold outside. And so I, I'm heading off to work, though. Rachel's already gone for the day, and uh, I am, like, on, like, my third layer of jacket. I've got my gloves on, my beanie on. I'm, like, I'm ready to do the 10-yard sprint out to my car and uh, because it is just too cold. It's that cold where, like, you go outside and your eyes start watering, and then it turns to ice, like, immediately, and your lungs start hurting because, like, it's, it's just too cold outside. And, uh, and so I start, I like sprint out to my car, and like slide, and like pull open the handle real quick. And oh, I forgot my keys. And so I'm like doing the, the four pocket pat down. All the guys know what I'm talking about. Keys, cell phone, wallet, four pocket pat down. And, uh, and I've, got my, I've got my wallet and I've got my cell phone, no keys. And so, oh no, uh, I always lock the door behind me, so, but you know how when you do something stupid, like, you still try, like, every possible solution before, and so I, like, walk back to the door, yep, that's locked, I go back to the sliding door in the back, yep, that's always locked, I'm, like, yanking on the garage door, hoping that something breaks and I can just open that, I was trying anything, it was that cold outside, and so then, I mean, I knew I couldn't call Rachel, because she's already at work, and, you know, I didn't want to admit to her that I just locked myself out of the house. It's the real reason. Um, and, uh, and so I started calling people at work uh, at the church. I was like, all right, we're just 10 minutes down the road from the church. I can probably survive for another 10 minutes. And uh, calling people, and nobody picks up. This is 20, well, it was 2016 at the time. It was 2016. Everybody's got a cell phone, but nobody picks up their cell phone. So I'm trying to call everybody. Finally, uh, the fifth person I called picks up, and he's like, hey, yeah, I'd love to come pick you up, but uh, I have to drop my daughter off at the, um, at the bus stop, and it'll be like a half hour until I'm there. So it's like five degrees outside. I'm just sitting on the rocking chair on the porch, just like waiting for this guy to show up. And that was the start to a terrible, horrible, no good, very bad day. We've all had those kind of days. And, uh, and some people actually have photo evidence of that. And so we're going to skip the first picture because that would get me in trouble. Uh, and we're going to go to the second picture. Yep, this one. Uh, I'm pretty sure it's bad day. And I'm pretty sure that there is an older brother behind the camera taking this picture because I grew up with an older sister and she was bad enough. And I'm pretty sure an older brother would be worse. Uh, the next guy here, he, uh, you know, I was complaining about having my keys uh, you know, locked out of my car. This guy is not using his car for a pretty long time. And then we see the next one here. We've got a guy who, uh, he's, getting, he's getting overtime today. And so he's going to be there a while. And then do we have that, the last one? There it is. Uh, this one might take a second, but this one is when prison break does not go like the TV show. Uh, and so we have all had bad days. 
And um, so what I want to focus on for the rest of our time is what to do when we have a bad day. And I want to focus on the life of King David. And many of us we might have different understandings uh, of King David. Maybe some of us are, are thinking about, you know, David and Goliath. Maybe some of us are thinking about the king, King David. But uh, a, a real quick spark notes, cliff notes version of, uh, of David's life up to this point is we see that uh, at a very, very young age, he is anointed to become king. And, um, but, but he doesn't get to to go right into that, that role as a king, but instead he's got to go back to his, uh, to his dad's sheep. He's, he's a shepherd. And so I want, to take, I want to take a moment right here. I want to speak to somebody in this church because I feel like God has given me a word for somebody that, uh, that you might feel like you have a promise of God on the inside of you and, and you are not seeing it come to pass yet. And I just want to encourage you that God's timing is perfect. You know, David had been anointed to be king. He was a young man, but he did not get to step right into that role. He had to wait. He had to wait. Just like Joseph had to wait in the, in the pit until he got to the palace, David had to wait as a shepherd before he became the king. And I want to encourage you that you, you still have that promise of God on your life. It just might take timing uh, to, to line up with God's timing. So I just want to encourage you with that this morning. Also, we see, so after, after we see that, you know, David's this, uh, this young shepherd who's anointed to become king. He goes back to becoming a shepherd. And then we see that he has this, uh, this encounter with a behemoth of a man named Goliath who, uh, you know, he kills with the, the slingshot and, you know, Israel triumphs. And, you know, this is like, all right, this is the natural step. Here we go, David. You're, this is your opportunity to step into your role as king, but yet the timing is still not perfect. And so he goes and he has this like little Tom and Jerry cat and mouse hide and seek game with Saul, where he Saul is the current king and he kind of gets you know jealous uh, of everybody being excited about about David. And so Saul tries to kill David. And so you got this, you know, this hide-and-seek game going on where David runs away and, and Saul tries to find him and then David finds a new place and Saul goes and finds him there. And, and so it's this, this continual, uh, just, again, cat-and-mouse game that, that David and Saul are playing. And, and David gets uh, some men around him. You know, they kind of get uh, an army together as, as you know, he, he continues on uh, bouncing around from place to place and... And so finally, what they decide to do is him, David and his men, they're like, all right, here's what we're going to do. We're going to camp out in the Philistine area, and, and that is, that's Saul's like, worst enemy. And so Saul's going like, to have to start a war in order for, uh, in order for him to come like, get David. So we're going to camp out here for a while until kind of everything blows over. And, and it, it works. You know, Saul uh, stops coming after David. And that kind of all leads us up to the scripture that we're going to focus on here today. In 1 Samuel uh, chapter 30, verses 1 to 6, you can turn there or scroll there or whatever you got to do. Uh, but 1 Samuel chapter 30, verses 1 to 6, it says this. David and his men reached Ziklag on the third day. Now the Amalekites had raided the Negev and the Ziklag. They had attacked Ziklag and burned it and had taken captive the, uh, the women and everyone else in it, both Young and old, they killed none of them, but carried them off as they went on their way. When David and his men reached Ziklag, they found it destroyed by fire, and their wives and sons and daughters taken captive. 
So David and his men wept aloud until they had no strength left to weep. David's two wives were captured, Ahinoam of Jezreel and Abigail, the widow of Nabal of Carmel. David was greatly distressed because the men were talking of stoning him. Each one was bitter in spirit because of his sons and daughters. But David found strength in the Lord his God. And the way that this story ends, it's got one of those like fairy tale endings where everything ends happily ever after. You know, David and his men chase after the Amalekites and, and they take back everything that, uh, that was taken from them. But what I want to focus on today is that one phrase at the very end of the scriptures that we read. But David found strength in the Lord his God. One of the things that I do not understand about this time of year is the whole like hype around New Year's. Because it's like, to me, I'm like, all right, we literally just changed the last digit on the calendar. Like, okay, here we go. Start again. And, uh, but you know, people get, people get excited. So, you know, it's a fresh start. It's a new year. It's a new me. I'm like, no, you just changed the calendar. Um, but you know, after, you know, I've been kind of thinking about this for the past like two weeks. And I kind of took myself out of and kind of got a, a broader perspective. And I was like, you know, it, it really does make sense that if you don't have hope in God, you have to find your hope in something. And so, you know, maybe it's a, maybe it's a new calendar year. It's like, all right, like, all right, I got a fresh start. I'm going to change this, this, and this about myself, and I'm going to do, and you kind of put the pressure on yourself to try to see that change happen. Uh, but usually by like January 2nd, it's like, all right, 2018, let's go. Like, I need a fresh start again. And, um, and so when our hope is not found in the Lord and when we're not able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord, we look to all these other means to be able to find a fresh start. And so what we're going to focus on today is to strengthen yourself in the Lord. And I want everybody to tap your neighbor and say, strengthen yourself in the Lord. <laughs> Sorry, Alan. You didn't have a neighbor. <laughs> uh, so the first thing that sticks out uh, in this in this uh, this group of of verses is uh, is David's feelings. Like we see that David has this incredible just emotional experience where it talks about him and his men just wept until you know they could they no longer have the strength to weep. And uh, and life takes an emotional toll on us. You know, we've got that proverbial roller coaster, the ups and downs and you know the hills along the way, the sometimes the loops and all those just crazy stuff that happens in life and it takes an emotional toll on each and every one of us. And, and we all go through seasons. We've got the seasons of up and we've got the seasons of down. We've got the seasons of good and we've got the seasons of not so good. And, you know, it's, life is about seasons. We're coming in to one season, we're going out of another season. And how we enter and how we leave seasons really determines and sets us up for the next season in our life. But the difference about what, what David understood here in this scripture is that David understood that his feelings can't dictate his life. And, and I think a lot of times we get caught up in kind of the emotional experience of what we're going through, and, it, and we allow it to, to dictate the decisions that we make. One of the things that I get to do you know, in, in my role at the church is I get to, to do some discipleship with uh, a bunch of different people. And one of the guys that I, uh, I recently met uh, we've, been, we've been just kind of hanging out um, like once or twice a month and just, just talking because when I met him, he was, he was 
he was about at rock bottom. There wasn't too much further that he could go. And, uh, and he hadn't really been to church before. And this is just kind of like his, his desperation, like lunge at anything to help him. And he lunged in the right direction. Good job. Uh, but he... Um, he was just kind of just sharing some stuff with me, uh, and, and I just was kind of helping him through, uh, just navigate through just these difficult circumstances in life. And so he, uh, after a, a couple months, he started really growing in his relationship with God, and things were going really well. And, uh, and so we were sitting down one time, and he was talking to me. He's like, man, I, I feel like this is going really well, and I'm really liking the decisions that I'm making. I just feel like everything's lining up, and you know, everything is, is going to be great for the rest of my life. And I kind of stopped him, and I was just like, I am so excited. You know, we've been praying for this for so long. We've been praying that, you know, things, you know, that, that you know, things would start looking up. <laughs> Something, one thing, uh, would start looking up for you. And, and you know, I'm, I'm so excited that, you know, you're at a, at a great place in life. I was like, but I hear you saying, you know, I feel, I feel, I feel a lot. And I was like, and I just want to just <laughs> not really discourage you, but I want to just, uh, just remind you, that, that things are looking up right now, but there's going to be times where, where stuff happens. And if you're making your decisions based off of your feelings, hey, that's awesome in a good season, but what happens when it's not a great season in life and you're still making those decisions based off of your feelings, things aren't going to go quite as well. And uh, a month later, maybe, you know, the, the rug gets pulled out from under him again, and he starts making the, you know, the same decisions. And I and I was like, you know, we had a good relationship at this point. So I got to tell him, I told you so. And I said it much nicer than that. Uh, but, you know, I was just like, hey, man, I remember when we talked uh, about a month ago and we were talking about this. And I was like, you know, you're, you're kind of making those same decisions again because it's not a great season. And now you're making your, your uh, decisions based off of your feelings. And that's kind of the, the key point that I want to highlight here in this section is that we can't allow our feelings to dictate our life. Just because you feel afraid doesn't mean you have to live in fear. Just because you feel lonely doesn't mean you have to live in isolation. And just because you, 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 uh, you feel unloved doesn't mean that you don't have a father in heaven who loves you. So David felt all sorts of emotions uh, in, in this, all throughout life, but specifically in this scripture that we're looking at here. But he did not allow that to deter his focus. The second point that I have is, you know, just David's focus in, in life and in the situation. Even with all that's going on around David, his, his you know, wives, plural, uh, different day. Don't take that from the Bible. Uh, he had, you know, his different wives were taken. His, his kids were taken. You know, the, the town that he lived in was burned. Everything was destroyed around him. His men that had fought beside him so, um, so valiantly, they, you know, they were closing in with stones just ready to, like, end his life. And in all of that, he did not lose focus of his father. He returned to God and said, you know what? I understand that everything else is closing in around me. But I'm going to the one who I know has a solution. I'm going to the one who, you know, despite all of like, what it looks like around me, he's the one who has a hope and a future for my life. So my, my question for you today is what's, what's your focus on? What's your focus on today? Is your focus on the problem or is your focus on the promise? Is your focus on the situation or is your focus on the solution? 
Is your focus on a past failure or is your focus on the future? Your focus determines your destination. When I was in high school, Rachel, you might want to put on your earmuffs for this story. Uh, when I was in high school, I was dating this girl, and, um, and we were visiting her brother who lived, like, right off of the turnpike. And, uh, you know, we got there, we were hanging out, and on the, on the way home, we were just kind of talking in the car, you know, driving back, and, you know, I was distracted uh, by what Rachel would call a bad decision, and um, nobody got it? <laughs> All right, there we go. We'll take the pity laugh. Um, but so I was, I was distracted and uh, wasn't really paying attention, wasn't focused on where I was going. And I, uh, I hopped on the, you know, the turnpike and we're, we're talking. And about a half hour down the road, I was like, that exit says Valley Forge. <laughs> That's not the direction home. And so, uh, yep, it was about 45 minutes in the wrong direction. Got to turn around at the uh, Valley Forge exit and turn back and head back in their correct direction. And I was pretty much broke for the rest of my life because we all know how much the toll is on the turnpike. And, and so the, the moral of the story is your focus determines your direction. If you're, if you're focused in, in the wrong direction, you're going to start heading in that way. You know, have you ever noticed the fact that a, a windshield is much larger than the rearview mirror? It's because the, the, the creator of your car, the designer of your car, knew hopefully most of the time you're heading in the, you know, heading forward. You are moving, uh, you know, towards this destination, not looking in your rearview mirror. I think a lot of times we can get distracted uh, by our past, you know, things that we've, we've, uh, we've done in the past, past decisions that we've made, and, and we can get focused on the rearview mirror, and we get so focused on that that we just keep reliving the past, and we keep, like, uh, if, if David would have kept reliving the past, he would have kept going back to the fact that he had... Um, you know, he had he'd been promised this thing, but 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 where was God in the in the caves when I was hiding out from Saul? Or you know, uh, where was where was God when uh, you know I had to be the one to to rescue Israel from this Goliath? Like why was why was it me? Why did why do we have to go through all this time just being uh, oppressed by by the Philistines? And you know, where was God in these different situations? And he could have continued to live in his past as opposed to living in the future that God had. For him, and that's the that's the second part uh, of this. Is we see in Hebrews chapter twelve, verse one. I, I really like how the author describes it. He says, "Let us uh, strip off every weight that slows us down, especially the sin that so easily trips us up, and let us run with endurance the race that God has set before us." And what I like about about the scripture is it it, um, it kind of makes a, a, it differentiates between sin. And the weight that so easily entangles us. Did you notice that? Like the author says, let us strip off the weight that so easily entangles us and the, and the, um, and the sin that trips us up. So there's a difference there. there. We can be slowed down by the weight of things that aren't necessarily sin. It can be, it can be a relationship. It can, be, it can be any multitude of things that aren't necessarily sin, but yet we get it's less than best. It's less than what God has for us. It's not the plans. It's not the purpose that he has for us. And so, and so we, get, we get focused over here, and we miss out on what God has for us. We don't, we're not running the race that God has set before us. Instead, we're kind of focused over here, and we're missing out on it. 
In, in high school, I ran track and cross country because that's what us tall, skinny white boys do. And so in high school, I, uh, I, was, I was on the team. And, you know, uh, the, one of the first things that, that the coach taught us was, you know, always keep your eyes forward. Don't get distracted about what's going on to your right and left. You know, you can get, uh, you can get focused on, you know, what, you know, what the, how close the person is behind you. And you can start kind of trying to look over your shoulder. But as soon as you start doing that, you start to swerve in your lane and you start to, you start to slow down because you're focused on what's behind you, not what's in front of you. Again, David never lost focus. Even with everything closing in around him, with the men picking up the stones ready to, to end his life, his focus was on his father. The, uh, the third point that I kind of take away from this, um, from this scripture is, again, that David, David's future. Because before David was uh, a giant slayer, and before David was a man on the run, David was a man who was anointed to become king. And so through all of these seasons, through all of these situations, through all these circumstances, David understood that God had a hope and a future for him. There's a promise of God that was on David's life. And even, again, when everything seemed to be going wrong, his focus was on God and the plans and the purposes and the promises that God had for his life. So I just want to encourage you this morning that there's a promise of God over your life. And the promises of God, I believe Cindy mentioned it earlier, the promises of God are yes and amen. They're fine, like when God speaks, it happens. When he speaks a promise into your life, it is final. And so, um, and it takes each and every one of us getting those promises on the inside of us in order for us to be able to strengthen ourselves in the Lord. Our, you know, our spouse can't do it. Our kids can't do it. Please don't put that pressure on Alan. Our pastor can't do it. Nobody can put the promises of God on the inside of us. We have to be the ones who have to live an intentional life, setting aside, a time, setting aside time during our day to focus, to receive the word of God in our hearts, in our lives, so that way as we walk it out, we have the opportunity to apply it in our everyday lives. And so when, when, when circumstances come our way, we can stare down our circumstances and we can quote the promises of God over our lives. When we're feeling broke, busted, and disgusted, we can come at those circumstances and we can say, you know what? God has clothed the lilies of the valley. God has given the birds a place to rest. And if God cares about a stupid flower and a stupid bird that much, how much more does he care about me? When we receive a, a bad doctor's report or the, or the dentist says that there's no other option uh, and, and we, we are coming at, at the situation, we have no idea what to do. We can claim the promise that by his stripes, we are healed. When we feel like we don't have a hope and a future, we can say that God's plans, God's future is, is to prosper us. God's hope and his future are good things for us. He doesn't come at us like the, like the enemy seeking to steal, kill, and destroy, but he has life and life more abundantly. There's promises of God that are all throughout his word that we have to get on the inside of us. And we can go all day with the promises of God. 
but we have to internalize them ourselves. So that way when we are stuck in those situations, in those moments where everything seems to be closing in, we can focus on the future and the plans and the purposes that God has for our lives. So I want you to know that no matter the situation, no matter what it looks like, if it's not good yet, that means that God's not done. So I want everybody to say this after me. Come on, everybody say that I'm on my way to a better day. God is for me and not against me. Come on, some of you have to just be repeating that every day. Every day you wake up, I'm on my way to a better day. God is for me and not against me. And, you know, as, as you get that on the inside of you, I believe that things are going to change in your circumstances because now your mindset isn't on the negative thing. You're not focused on what's going bad. Like, oh, man, I got another bad doctor's report. Man, I got another, you know, bill in the mail. I got another, you know, um, whatever, uh, you know, and, and, you know, all this stuff is lining up and we're not focusing on that anymore, but it's like, no, I'm on my way to a better day. God is for me and not against me. I'm on my way to a better day. God is for me, not against me. And as we keep repeating that in our mind and focusing on the promises of God, our perspective, our focus changes, and we're no longer focusing on that rearview mirror. We're no longer focusing on, on the past, on the mess-ups, on the, on the things of life that, has, that have drug us down for so long, but now we're focusing on the future that God has for us. And as I was, as, as I was preparing to, uh, to share this message uh, this week, I was, I was reading an article about a man named Byron Pitts. And I don't know, maybe you've heard of him, maybe not. I hadn't. But uh, he was sharing just kind of his story about life. And he was, sharing the, uh, he was sharing the fact that when he was younger, he had this dream. And it was like a, a deep-rooted dream that he knew, that he knew, that he knew that he was going to accomplish one day. And that, that dream was that he was going to be a reporter for 60 minutes by the age of 35. The only problem was, at a very young age, he, uh, he had like a, a speech impediment, and he had problems with, with stuttering, and he had, you know, difficulty reading, all these things that, you know, you kind of need to be a reporter. And... Um, and so he, every day at school, he heard the same jokes, you know. He, he got the same uh, letters on the, top of his, um, on the top of his tests, and it didn't start with A, B, and C. And, uh, you know, he, he had just these difficulties, and he used them all as fuel to be able to, to just, you know, as soon as school's over, he'd go home and he'd start, start re- trying to read more. And, and you know, he, he focused on his speech and, you know, he put in the effort and it fueled him, you know, to graduate high school and he got into college and, and he, he graduated college. And when he graduated college, he got into a local newsroom as a reporter. And, you know, he's like, I'm on my way to a better day. And, uh, and so, he, you know, he was excited for the opportunity, but he knew that there was more. And, and one of the kind of the habits or the rituals that he got in, uh, into as he, was, uh, as he was a news reporter is every morning he would wake up and he'd put on, like, his own personal, like, uh, version of ESPN Not Top Ten. And he had created this, this not-so-highlight 
film of himself making mess-ups as a reporter, like the times where he stuttered or the times that he just kind of botched the news report and it didn't go well. And he started every morning by watching this, and he's like, you know what, I'm going to use this again as fuel to be able to get me to my office in 60 minutes. And, um, and so he, he watched this day after day. Until one day he was 36 years old, he was still at the local newsroom. He wasn't at 60 Minutes. And he was disappointed with the trajectory of his life. And he was just like, man, I had this dream. I had this hope with inside of me. And I knew that this is what I was going to do. But, but here I am at the, you know, CBS 27, Philadelphia. I don't know. Uh, and, you know. And so he was, you know, he was disappointed in where he was with his life. And he was walking to church one day. And he he made this decision. He's like, all right, from here on out, I'm no longer going to focus on, on this, this, this video. I'm, I'm going to throw it away. I'm going to burn it. And, and I'm no longer even going to watch this video of my past mistakes. Instead, I'm going I'm to start my day by reading God's Word. And I'm going to find a couple promises of God that are in His Word. And I'm going to focus on those every single day. And, you know, it started off, it was difficult for him. I was like, oh. All right, yeah, okay, I guess I'll believe this for today. And, you know, he, he started getting into a rhythm, though. And to this very day, he still starts off his day by reading the promises of God. Before he checks his email, before he sees his, you know, his daily schedule, whatever, before he starts his day as a reporter for 60 minutes, he starts his day by focusing on the promises of God. And the reason I share that, that story with you today is because he got his focus off of his mistakes and he started focusing on the future, focusing on the plans and the purposes that God had for his life. And he stood on the promises of God that are yes and amen. And, and, he, and he chose to possess those promises over his life. And so that's my encouragement for you here today. For each and every one that is here, no matter what uh, kind of what you came in dealing with, no matter what that, uh, that weight might have been that kept you from running the race that God has set before you. So I encourage you to, stand, or to look towards the future and not towards the rearview mirror. So I'm going to have, if you guys could, could you all just stand with me? We're going to close here. We're going to spend time in prayer. And so as we, as we close and as we pray, I want to I talk to two groups of people specifically. And the first group of people is, are, the, are the ones who you're here today, and, and you know, you, you know, you, you've heard this message, you know, you hear that the promises of God are yes and amen. Well, here's the greatest promise that God has ever given us, and it's, it's from John 3.16. For God so loved the world that he gave his one and his only son, that whoever believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And so if you're here today and you want to receive that promise, you want to, you want to walk in that promise that he has for you, the scripture is very clear in how you do it. It says that you, you ask and you shall receive. And as you believe in your heart and, and declare with your mouth that Jesus Christ is Lord, you can have that, uh, that reward, that, that uh, eternity with God. And so as we, as we close, uh, close our eyes and bow our heads, and as we, as we get ready to pray, I just want to ask, if you're here 
and you want to make that decision to follow Christ for the rest of your days. You want to hold on to that promise that he has to continually love you no matter what the circumstances. If that's you, I'm just going to ask that you slip up your hand because it's a decision between, between you and God. I just want to know who, I, who I'm praying for. So if that's you and you want to hold on to that promise that you are going to, to walk your rest of the days with Jesus, just slip up your hand. Amen. Amen. For the rest of us, the, the, the second group that I want to be talking to is uh, maybe you've already committed to following Jesus, and, um, but you're still, you're still dealing with kind of the past. You're still dealing with that, you know, uh, that, that rearview mirror mentality, and you're not looking to the windshield. You're not looking to the future that God has for you. Maybe you're allowing your feelings to dictate your, your life and the destination of your life. Or maybe you just, you've just lost focus. You lost the, the future that God has for you. And you know that he has a promise that is deep within inside of you. Maybe you're that, that person who I was talking to earlier when I talked about David and how he, he lost focus or he didn't lose focus of the promise that was over his life. And you're here and you're like, man, I've gone through a lot. I'm just waiting on the timing of God to come through. And if you're here and you want to if you're just saying, you know what, I'm going to stand on the promises of God, no matter what the current circumstances look like, no matter what I'm feeling in this moment, if that's you, go ahead and slip up your hand. We're all going to pray here in a moment together, and we're just going to agree that, that God's promises are yes and amen, that we can stand on the promises of God. So again, if that's you, if either one of those two, go ahead and just slip up your hand. We're going to pray here together as a church, and we're going to believe for incredible things for your life. So come on, everybody, just uh, repeat this prayer after me. Jesus, come on, everybody, Jesus. Today I choose to follow you. Forgive me of my past. Today I choose to follow you. Looking to your future that you have for me. Forgetting my past. Forgetting the rearview mirror. And looking to the windshield. To the promises that you have for me. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Hey, come on. Can we give God some praise here? There are some people in this place who gave their lives to Christ. Maybe for the first time or recommitted to giving their lives to Christ. And the Bible says that in heaven, the angels are rejoicing. And so, come on, as a church body, we can give some praise to God here this morning. So come on, one more time. Let's give God some praise. Let's thank God for Jason this morning. Yes, thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord, for what you're doing here this morning. Thank you, Lord, for the word of God that goes forth and accomplishes what it's going to, uh, accomplishes the purposes for which it goes. And, and Lord, we pray over the word of God this morning that, that goes into each of our hearts today, uh, that it would, it would accomplish exactly its purpose in Jesus' name. If you... Uh, if you raise your hand this morning to accept Jesus for the first time, we'd love to pray with you this morning. If you'd just like to, uh, at, as everyone's dismissing, if you'd just like to come, uh, we'd just like to pray with you uh, briefly this morning and, and talk to you about what it means to, to be a Christian. And, and for everyone else, we're going to prayer ministers here. If you'd like someone to pray with you for whatever is happening in your life, uh, we'd just like to invite you.